Shalom, this is Shomer Man with your Parasha Get You Some for Parasha Kitetse. Tonight's Midnight Torah study is going to be, I thought I was going to get out of the first verse, but Kitetse. So when we go out to war, so this drosh is going to be called, or this study I should say, it's going to be called Spiritual Warfare. So, uh, let me go ahead and start off with the text that we're continuously circling around so far this week. Um, let's see here. All right, here we go. Kitetse la milchama al oivecha. Well, let's start off with some Lakute Torah. Let me translate that in English and then go to Lakute Torah. When you go out to war above or over or against your enemy. Or when you shall go towards war against and above your enemy. There's a diff few different ways you can read that. For when you go out to war. Notice you're going to have to go out to war. And um, again, to quote Rabbi Wolby, uh, he says that this is not natural. You know, he was looking through different commentaries. He's talking about it's not natural for us to desire to go out to war. And, um, you know, we should probably do the blessing before Torah, before continuing on, because it's like just jumping right into Torah study. Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, asher barkarbanu mikol hamim, venatan lanu et torato. Baruch atah Adonai, noten haTorah. Amen. Amen. Adonai, thank you for the illumination already. And I pray that you will continue to bind us to the Lapid, Mashiach Yeshua, and grant us eyes to see. Amen. All right, so slika, slika, slika. Hey, pardon me, pardon me, pardon me for just getting so carried away. I now know that uh, regardless of my introduction, I should probably just say the bracha before I start going. But anyway, we were saying that um, going out to war is not something natural for us. And, you know... That sets up a whole lot as far as the perimeters go, because, again, the precedent to all of this is the soldiers who are going out to war. They literally are Zadokim. They're righteous people. They're people who are constantly immersed in Torah. They're constantly in the Shema. They're constantly keeping their minds and their eyes fixed and focused on Hashem. You know, I talked about this in the drosh entitled uh, Take Captive and uh, shameless plugging still going with that. But um, anyway, these are not average Joes, you know, and um, the thing is, when you look at the army of Israel, it's an army of Torah people, you know, and so I just even think about the Avengers, how it's like. You guys are so silly. And it's like, yeah, but we're so cool. You know, and it's because we're people of Torah. We're, we're champions for Torah. Like, 
because Shem empowered us. He gives us this ability to see insights and to connect, connect dots and source out everything. It's just like, yeah, that's what the army of Hashem is all about. The army of Hashem is about being observant. It's about seeking Hashem, you know. And so when we're going out to wars, we're going out to war because we are going to be challenged in our love for God. And so that's important. So Lakute Torah, finally, says this Ma'amar, this teaching discusses the verse in the parasha that describes the laws involved during warfare. The verse states numerous regulations of conduct upon going to war with the enemy and taking captives. You know, I always like to think about, you know, the violent take it by force when it comes to the kingdom. And it's like our violence actually has a conduct, a level of conduct and regulation to it. It's not just carte blanche violence. <laughs> but anyway, uh, it says this teaching discusses the application of this verse even in today's times, even for non-warriors. Here we are. So then it says, in truth, there is a daily war that every Jew is engaged in that is not limited to actual battlefield involving swords and guns. This daily battle occurs between one's godly and animal souls. Each day a person's Yetzahara is overcome with passion and desire for physical matters. And every day one is required to consume this in the fire or consume this fire of passion within the heavenly fire. So this is interesting because there's um, I believe it's either Tankuma or something of the like that brings down this idea that there are two fires on the altar the mizbeach in the courtyard of the temple or in the mishkan because there's a heavenly fire that comes down to consume the fire that's on the altar and then the sacrifices on the altar are consumed so it's like you take heavenly fire and earthly fire and then that's what consumes the sacrifices this is another point to why we need Mashiach Yeshua, because he is the heavenly fire that immerses us with our fire, like the Torah that we grab onto, the words of prayer that we bring with us, you know, uh, take words in with you and return to Hashem, as it says in Hosea. So there's this idea that the two have to meet on the altar, and then that's where the ascension point is. So... It says each person is given an exact amount of days to live, as it states, Yamim Yutsru. These days were not assigned based on the needs of our godly soul, as the soul does not require any tikkun. Being that it is eternal and not invested within time, but rather unites with its open source in the Orain Sof. Man's days were allocated to him according to the needs of his animal soul based on the amount of sparks that fell into the shivrat hakelim, the shattering of the vessels. These sparks are required to be elevated from it throughout one's life, and each day a new spark and power is elevated. So this is the idea of, you know, teach us to number our days, um, 
If we're here living and existing, we have a mission, we have a purpose. And when we fulfill that purpose, we're done. And uh, that's the end of our existence here. So, you know, making the most of our time, you know, and really doing what we're supposed to do as far as what we've been sent here to do. I mean, we're on a time frame, but the soul that is within us is not. It's not on a time frame. So it's actually here as an, a helper and an agent for us to really elevate our flesh, you know, to go from sinful desires into holy and righteous desires. You know, um, Shaul talks in Romans 7 about who will set me free from this body of death. And my inner man, I delight in the Torah of Hashem. But in my outer man, there's another work of Torah that's at work within me. I'm doing the things that I don't want to do. The things I want to do, I'm not. There's two different Torahs going on here. There's a Torah of my flesh, and then there's a Torah of the Spirit. I go for the Torah of the Spirit. But in order for me to get that, I have to be set free from my body of death. And that happens through Mashiach Yeshua, which is why the Sapphire Tablets are so important. When you look at the Sapphire Tablets versus the Renewed Tablets, which are stone. The sapphire tablets came directly from the throne of Hashem, and these tablets would manifest themselves within the hearts of the Yehudim. Literally, the Torah being written on your heart. That's what the sapphire tablets would do, because the letters and the spirit, the engravings, the piercings, the decrees, like everything about the sapphire tablets was this, it becomes those who grasp, who grab it, you know, which is why you know, the tree of life is a tree of life to those who grasp it. You know, the woman who had the issue of blood, she had to grab a hold of the zitzit of Mashiach. It wasn't enough for her to just believe, you know, like she could have believed and been healed. But where's the interaction? You know, and so we have to grab a hold of these things. And so when we're going out to war, part of that Tetze, you know, we're we're grabbing a hold of, OK, this is a battle. We're in it engage. And so it says, what remains to be understood from the above is how does one cause the animal soul to have its animalistic desires consumed? What must be performed during prayer to allow its daily spark to be elevated? Well, in the laws of the Corbinote is recorded that in order for heavenly fire to be drawn from above, one is first required to ignite a physical fire on the altar. This law applies likewise in today's Corbin of prayer. In today's form, Corbinote, during the exile, one is required to bring a fire offering from within in order to have fire from above. And how do you ignite this? This is accomplished through contemplation of matters that the animal soul admires and is in awe of or things that our soul admires and which cause awe. And it says, thus showing him the greatness of God and spirituality. This ignites a fiery passion within both souls to want to attach to Hashem and be united with him. So I submit to the table, Yaakov chapter four, verse one. What is causing all the quarrels and fights, the warring, the milkama among you? Isn't it your desires battling inside you? Romanos 7.23 But in my various parts I see a different Torah, one that battles, Milkama, with the Torah in my mind and makes me a prisoner. Oh, here we go. Parsha Kitete. 
makes me a prisoner of sin's Torah, which is operating in my various parts. First Kepha chapter two, verse 11. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and temporary residents. OK, you're on a time frame here. You, you don't belong here. This is not where you're ultimately rooted and connected. So your residents, your temporary, we're aliens here, sojourners. And so as that is the case, not to give in to the desires of our old nature, which keep warring against you. You know, it's almost this idea of where it's like we're waking up from realizing we're in the matrix. You know, when uh, Morpheus and Neo and Trinity and all of them, they send people in and they're like, hey, free your mind, wake up. You're in the matrix. This is not the real world. You know, it's kind of that same idea, you know, when we find out, you know, through being born from above, being born again, being brought from death into life, you know, freeing our mind, following Mashiach, entering into Torah. I can continue, but uh, the point is we're waking up. We're arising and shining for our light has come, you know, and with that being the case, everything that was so true about us before now has to take on a different, you know, and so we realize that, you know, um, we're battling and there are enemies that now we have to fight. And so these are the desires of our old nature. These are the things that, you know, previously kept us in awe. They're previously were something we admired, you know, and so now those things have to change. So how do they change? You have to fight. You have to consume it in the heavenly fire. You have to consume it in Mashiach. And this is daily. This is what we're doing when we're praying. So prayer is a picture of Kitetse la Melkama al Oiveka. And so, and if you finish the verse in Devarim 21.10, it says, And Hashem will give you the victory over your enemies. Hashem is going to give you victory. And so when you look at when we're praying, you know, your mind wanders, you yawn because you're trying to wake up if it's shakarit or you yawn because you're tired and you want to take a nap because it's minka. I don't know. I could be just being personal, but, you know, it's kind of my struggles. And when your mind is wondering, you have to stop. Focus on Hashem. Fix and focus your eyes upon the author, perfecter and finisher, you know, and you kind of pull yourself back. And so there's this idea you're battling, you're at war. And this is a picture of what happens throughout the rest of your day. Because once you leave your prayer time, your study time, you're engaging in the real world. You're going to work, you know, and uh, these are challenges. So the beautiful thing about all of this is um, actually in Romans, um, it was verse uh, 23 in chapter 7. It says, um, in my various parts, I see a different Torah, one that battles with the Torah in my mind. It makes me a prisoner. And so if you look at verse 11 in chapter 21 of the Torah portion, it says, And you see among the captives, Ve-ra-ita, and you see, Be, or uh, Ba, Bashuv, Ya, Eshet, Yafat To'ar. You see among the captives a beautiful woman. So, um, if you look at 
who is this here? This is G Shekel dropping some Rabbi Sneur Zalman of Liadi. He says the captive woman represents the lower three levels of the soul, the nefesh, the ruach, and the neshama. Nefesh, ruach, neshama. Okay? And it says, which are enclosed in our human body. So, uh, one of the things, too, to keep in mind is that these women who were um, caught in uh, in the battle here during the war waging that was going on, there's uh, customs that these nations would beautify, you know, certain women so that when the enemy would come in, they would be thrown off and, like, diverted from their mission, basically. And so when you look at that, like, here in this world, as aliens and sojourners, we're kind of thrown off from our mission because we have, like, all these desires and all these things that we want to focus on and look at, and it's just like, wait, 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 shake the cobwebs out. What is the mission? <laughs> you know? So anyway, if you look at what's what are, um, what are Nefesh, Ruach, and Neshama are clothed in, it says their purpose is to elevate our physical life, you know, and so we have to get out of this captivity, you know, and um, again, this is through Mashiach Yeshua that we do that. Now, G. Shekel prefaces this, he says, when the Zodic ransoms captive souls, when he takes the beautiful woman captive as a wife, their connection to God attaches them both to the source of holiness and ultimate good and brings benefits for the community of Israel, for all of it. So, obviously, this is not a pushat. This is definitely a sowed level of interpretation. So, again, it's not so much about this is a woman of the nations, but this is about our own soul that we're trying to rescue and save, you know, as we're going out to war, as we're really seeking to do what we've been put here to do. We have to overcome all of our desires. So, see here, he says the root of the mitzvah of the beautiful woman captive can be traced back to Adam and Hava in the garden, where they ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. When they fell and tasted from the forbidden fruit, it caused a number of special souls to be captured by forces of impurity. These souls are those of future righteous ones and joined the community of Israel. So these souls are people like Ruth, the grandmother of King David, the wife of King Shlomo. Her name was Naamah. That's what I was blanking on in my previous study. I was trying to think of who Shlomo's wife was, who descended from Ammon. So, you know, we have Lot's two daughters. Uh, one has Moab, the other has Ammon. From Moab, we get Ruth. From Ammon, we get Naamah. And these are both integral um, people that are in the lineage of Mashiach Yeshua. So in order for us to get the Mashiach, it took sparks from Moab and sparks from Ammon. Other holy souls, righteous souls that were freed from impurity is Ankalos. Uh, and it says Shemaiah and Aftalon. There were a pair of Zugot. And then it says, and countless others who found their root of their souls in the Torah. 
So there's this idea of you're bringing in converts. And um, again, you're freeing up your own self. And, and this is benefiting all of Israel when this happens. So with that being said, you kind of look at this idea of, of what are we doing with our transformation? How do we really practically do this? Well, Ephesians 4, 22, there's going to be a whole bunch of and Shaul or and Rabbi Shaul said, <laughs> which is the Torah insight is there. But here's also what he adds to that. He's not saying anything in opposition. He's just adding, repeating, elucidating, what have you. Okay, so Ephesians 4.22, you were taught with regard to your former way of life. Put off your old self, which being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood, speak the truth to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. So you kind of think about that, what you do to your neighbor, you're really doing to yourself. Um, but you see the ideas in our mind, you know, and thinking about the month of Elul, and all of the introspection, all of the revelation and illumination Hashem is giving us, all of our challenges that we're realizing we have to live up to and battle against and fight. Kitete is just so incredible as far as that goes, is giving us this opportunity to realize we're in a battle. We must fight. Fighting is not our thing. We don't want to. It's way easier to go sit down and enjoy a nice meal or take a walk as opposed to go out and fight like it's just it's what it is and so as i was doing the haftarah with Hasis this week um we came across luke 11 and um i want to read that real quick because this is really key and and how we are to put off the old and put on the new and it's an attitude of our mind. And it says in Luke eleven thirty five, Be careful, therefore, that the light that is in you is not darkness. Verse 36. If then your entire body is illuminated, having no part dark, it will be wholly bright with light. As when a lamp or as when a lamp with its bright rays gives you light. Now, okay, so that's the context of the light and being able to have a proper perspective. But check out what it's juxtaposed to, what it's next to. It says, now while Yeshua was speaking, so interruption at its finest, or at not its finest. Mashiach is laying down some serious truth, and while he is in the middle of doing that, Perushim, the Pharisees, some Pharisees, or a Pharisee, it says here, invited him to take to take dinner with him, so he entered and reclined at the table. The Perushim, the Pharisee, he noticed and was astonished to see that Yeshua did not first wash before dinner. Um, yeah, it's just kind of like you interrupted my drash, you brought me here for a meal. 
and now you're scrutinizing me on Mean Hog. There's nothing in Tor that says you have to wash before you eat. There's allusions to it and, and things like that, which is where the practice of hand washing comes from. But yeah. Anyway, it says, so when he noticed, he was astonished. It says, but Hashem said to him, speaking about Mashiach, because it, it says the Lord said to him, now you perushim, you Pharisees, cleanse the outside of the cup and of the plate, but inside you yourselves are full of greed, robbery, extortion, and malice and wickedness. Just want to submit to the table. This is probably why you should him wash, because he's just like, I'm not going to use a dirty cup. We're not going to play that game, basically. And it says, you senseless ones, acting without reflection or intelligence, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But dedicate your inner self and give as donations to the poor of those things which are within of inward righteousness. And behold, everything is purified and clean for you. All right. So he's not talking about food. So let's put that away. He's talking about serious introspection. What is going on in your heart? What is going on in your mind? Because all of our bodies are vessels. You know, and may we may they be used as instruments of righteousness. But Hashem made our inside just as much as our outside. So if outside on the surface we're doing well, that's great. But if on the inside we're not taking care of that, that's not great. And so in this whole process of renewal, which just so happens to rhyme with Elul, there's an idea here. You know, um, Rabbi Griffin, you know, basically called it for um, our community, for Lapid, that, you know, we don't want to just refine. We don't want to just better ourselves. We want to become new. You know, we want to change our essence, change who we are, be born from above, you know, and Ephesians puts it best here that put off the old self. It's corrupted. You know, there there's all these different wires here that are connected to all these buttons that get pressed all the time. And it's like, don't just, you know, change the wiring, you know, get a whole new system, get whole new buttons, you know, and the attitude of our hearts, the attitude of our minds. And this is created to be of the nature of Hashem, which is righteousness and holiness. And so this is what we need to pay attention to. So that is the light that we need to have our focus on, because when you enter into the light, it transforms darkness. Darkness becomes light. Just like on, on day one of creation, darkness became light. So that's what we're wanting to happen in our body. And that process takes a war. It's fighting. It's constantly <clears throat> pressing and straining towards a high mark. So that's the first level. And then going over here to the next passage from Colossians. You know, Shaul just iterated a lot of stuff, reiterated a lot of stuff. Colossians 3.9. Notice it uses the word for lying here. It says, do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices and you have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of its creator and the knowledge in the image of its creator. OK, so these verses are definitely related. 
So the Ephesians and the Colossians passage here with Kitetse and our constant struggles and our daily battles. It's all about what we're doing with the inside of the cup. So just kind of zooming out on all this and thinking about our Torah portion. If you keep reading all the way into the next chapter, you see this uh, not progression, but degression or regression into horrible, horrible, horrible. You know, you bring the woman home and obviously your wife is going to have some issue with that. If she isn't, then that's awkward. Uh, and then, you know, the woman's going to have some issues because now she's having to not be pretty, not be beautiful. She's mourning. So there's a whole lot of cottage going on. She's being told she has to convert. That's awkward, especially due to the circumstances. Then there's the child that's possibly born from this. If you somehow end up getting married to this woman, then you already had children before. So now there's jealousy among the children. And then there's the one who uh, is new to the family from this captive woman. He's raised up. He's wayward. He's defiant. He's like, you're not my dad. You took me from my country. You took my mother. Blah, 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 Like all this is going on. Then, you know, the, the people of the town are trying to bring justice and be like, hey, leave some discipline here. That's not working. Then there's the stoning that happens. It says um, in verse 20, they shall say to the elders of his town, this son of ours is disloyal and defiant. He does not heed us. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Thereupon the men of the town shall stone him to death. Thus you will sweep out the evil from your midst. All Israel will hear and be afraid. So again, there's this battling. There's this getting rid of all the evil. Then it says if a man is guilty of a capital offense, He's put to death and you're to impale him on a stake. Okay. Pierce him upon the tree. Hang him on a tree. Talui. Or in this verse, instead of using talui, it uses ve talit. Like a talit. Like hanging. And talit is spelled with a tet, not a tav. But in this verse, you can interchange the tet for the tav. And it literally means... Or it literally means here that he will be put to death and a talit shall hang on a tree. And again, we talked about the image of the king on the tree. That's why the body can't stay up there overnight. And so um, there's this idea. So if you look at kind of like this idea of hanging like a talit, the talit is used for covering us. It's the mitzvot. It's the light of Hashem. So when the light of Hashem is put to death on a tree, you know, that's bringing forth this uh, element of atonement for us. And so also you can look at it this way, that if you put yourself, if we put our own selves to death daily, like a Corbin, the way to do it is to, sort of speak, hang ourselves in the light, cover ourselves in a tallit. So when we cover ourselves with a tallit, we're bringing and, and judging ourselves as dead, you know, and from death, we can be brought into life because Mashiach is the light in the resurrection. So there is that. 
So just kind of with everything that we've talked about here, how do you really like manifest this? How do you really do this? Well, first of all, have we cried out to Hashem about it? Do we have people surrounding us that we can vocalize these things with and, and really do? I mean, Yaakov, he brings it down to confess our sins to one another and we'll be healed. You know, not necessarily that you need to confess your sins, like all your business out there like that. You know, you got to be careful who you share that with. But, you know, put out your struggles with people you trust and who are near you, who are walking this Torah life with you, you know, and really meaning it, not just like half doing it. And so if you have this support system, then you're able to really embrace, you know, being brought into the light and causing the darkness that is within you to be transformed. This is meeting the great physician. This is coming to Mashiach, all of us who are heavy laden and burdened. So we have to create this fire. We have to create this passion. So we cried out to Hashem. We've surrounded ourselves with support. Now within our own selves, with all the support we have, with all the enablement from Hashem, now we take advantage of that by saying, we're going to do this. I'm going to transform this darkness into light. I'm going to put off the old self and put on the new. And then once we do that, practice this cycle of constantly doing it, like we're putting it into practice, not that we're uh, not serious about it, but we are. So we're making it a habit. We're uh, moving into consistency of keeping this going, you know, and the goal is not refinement. Again, the goal is changing our essence. You know, we want to be different than who we are now. And this month of Elul, as we're engaging in all this cycle, Hashem is the whole time going, all right, I see you've done this. Now I will meet that effort that you're exerting and I will cause you to tip the scale and remember this is the month of Hashem circumcising our heart this is the month of us telling Hashem we betrothed him to us and may we merit that he betrothes us to him you know Ani Dodi. that's what we say and he says and you're my beloved two-way street he's gonna match what we do and so if you think about that you know Man, you know, Hashem help us. So the other thing I was thinking about is how this spiritual warfare that we're doing, you know, spiritual warfare is not anything that we really have been taught or made to believe that it is. Because we think of spiritual warfare is like, oh, we're going to pray against demons and oh, the devil made me do it. Which, by the way, the devil didn't make you do it. You had an option. You didn't have to. You may have been influenced, but that didn't mean you had to do it. Uh, last time I checked, we're led away by our own desires. And then that's what causes us to sin. And that's what causes death. That is Yaakov 1.14. So if you look at Yaakov 1.14, temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. So don't be saying that we're tempted because that came from that came from us. The devil didn't make us do it. He's just doing his job. That means we need to do our job. 
Okay, and then um, I believe it was First Corinthians 10. Oh, by the way, so I died daily. Um, that is First Corinthians 15, um, 31. It says, brothers, by the right to be proud. That's interesting. By the right to be proud, which Mashiach Yeshua, our Lord, gives us. I solemnly tell you that I die every day. And what is he talking about? He's saying that there are constant challenges, you know, um, different circumstances that we face. But, you know, you die daily, you go through it and you fight, you know, start with being in the light and coming to the end of who we are and the beginning of who he is. All right. So first Corinthians 10. Let's see here believe it was at the beginning no is it not all right stand by second corinthians 10 good night first corinthians second corinthians third corinthians sixth corinthians it's all over the place okay second corinthians chapter 10 starting in verse 3 for although we do live in the world we do not wage war in a worldly way because the weapons we use to wage war are not worldly. Because really our war is not of this world, by the way. Just point that out. And it says, okay, so chances are if you're having issues with a person, if you're having issues with a job or any kind of family things or any kind of situational circumstance, it's not flesh and blood. It's not anything material. It's not anything physical that you're battling with. It's the spiritual element. If you can defeat something spiritually, you definitely gain the victory physically. If you can defeat something spiritually, you definitely gain the victory physically. This right here is spiritual warfare. This is Kitete Milkama. When you go out to war, you got to do it spiritually because that's the only way you get the victory. And it starts with what's on the inside. Okay, so there's that. And it says, on the contrary, we have God's power for demolishing strongholds. Yeah, he points that out just because if you read Parsha Kitete, Hashem gives us the victory. Verse 5, and arrogance that raises itself up against the knowledge of God, we take every thought captive and make it obey. So that's the thing you have to force and beat into submission sometimes. You're just like, you will line up with the Torah. You will be, you know, blessed by Hashem. You will be Asher Kishanu Be Mitzvotav. Like, I will do this mitzvah. You know, and by the way, it takes pride initially to engage in mitzvahs. And once you engage in the mitzvah, your pride has to immediately die. So there's this idea that you start off with something, but it ends differently. So the seed falls into the ground and it dies. But to get that seed into the ground, it takes some work. You know, you drop it, you plant it, something, you know, it gets into the soil. It makes contact. So there's this idea of when you go out to war, like you got to you got to go. You got to be like, OK, I'm fighting now. Okay, I'm suiting up now. Oh, did you say suit up? Yeah, I meant to quote Ephesians chapter 6. This is the 
get you some of and Rabbi Shaul also said okay or Shaul repeated Paul repeated so starting in verse 12 we are not struggling against human beings, but against rulers, authorities, and cosmic powers governing this darkness. Oh, so the darkness that we see in Luke 11, because it says that, uh, wow, be careful, therefore, that the light in you is not darkness. Because if there is darkness, meaning that we don't have the light in our eyes, that darkness is governed. By cosmic powers, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenlies. And again, we just we brought that down from G. Shekel and uh, Rabbi Shneur Liadi. He says that the levels of the soul, which are enclosed in our human body, they were caught captive due to Adam and Hava when they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Souls fell and captured by forces of impurity and then all of that so yeah that's definitely all connected for sure then it says that take up every piece of war equipment that God provides prayer tefillin zitzit kosher eating shabbat brachas torah study mishpachah Fellowship, uh, shirim, like going to classes, uh, listening to drashes, you know, musar, midrash, you know, there's all sorts of stuff. Meditation, hibotadut. So take up as much as you can. Take it all by force. Just get you some. Celebrate the festivals. Did you know, by the way, that at every festival, Hashem pours out the Ruach HaKodesh? So much so that you can be considered to be being filled with the Spirit if you're celebrating the different festivals. Like Shabbat, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot. Which at Sukkot, the way that Jonah became a prophet was because of the water drawing ceremony at Sukkot. When the Spirit was being poured out, it flowed literally upon Jonah and he became a prophet. So, just, just saying. Hashem is pouring out His Spirit, and um, most people who follow Hashem are being taught, don't go to those things, don't celebrate those things. And it's just like, so when was the Ruach HaKodesh ever poured out and you didn't want any? Something to think about. So then it says, so take up every piece of war equipment God provides, so that when the evil day comes, so that when you go out to battle, so that when say la milkama, you will be able to resist. And when the milkama, the battle is won, you will still be standing. And that's the thing. You have to war before the war starts. You have to be ready. You can't just go, oh my goodness, intruders, suit up. It's like, no, suit up and be ready for intruders and this is why there's a Torah uh, commandment that you are to arise early if you have to to be ready for the one who was planning to rob you so that you know you can take care of that situation so that's the same thing that's why we have to say the Shema when we retire and when we arise because we have to waken up like a lion ready to pounce because 
If we don't, we get pounced by a different lion who's ready to pounce on us whenever we let our guard down. So we can't let our guard down. We cannot afford to stay in our old pattern and way of life and in our sinful thinking and our lustful desires. So with the help of Hashem, may we be transformed, may we change, and may the heavenly fire consume our being and cause us to make spiritual ascent and free our soul from the captive, from captivity. So this is kind of a, um, a crazy outlook and perspective because these are things that we know we should be doing, but things that we're not um, so readily um, motivated and inspired to engage in. But we have to. Rosh Hashanah is coming. We now have one less week than we had last week. And, um, you know, we got to get it together. So Hashem, may you help us truly change us, change our essence, Adonai. Cause us to hasten the return of Mashiach Yeshua as we advance your kingdom on the earth, as we teach more and more about Mashiach, as we think more and more about Mashiach. Adonai, we yearn for you. We're not okay with this exile. Please bring us out. Bring us up into the good and spacious land, speedily and soon in our days. Really help us as we are engaging in spiritual warfare, Adonai. Open our eyes to see. Give us ears to hear. Today, we desire and we choose to hear your voice and we harden not our hearts. Father, we desire to be obedient. Pray that you would bless that. So, just kind of thinking some last exhortations here before we finish for this evening. You know, um, I was just kind of thinking. One of the things I posted on uh, Instagram, I was talking about how we're like being a Torah scroll when we're a living sacrifice. And um, it says this from the Kute Torah as well. After the destruction, the sages instituted each person should offer his animal soul as a sacrifice in place of physical animals. One is to offer his animal soul and reattach it to its root source above. And what is that root source? It is the fire, the Yesod of Aish, the foundation of fire. Just like the actual soul of an animal, it is rooted in the holy chariot of the face of the lion and of the ox. That's interesting because the lion is Yehuda, the ox is Yosef. So our souls are rooted in Yehuda and Yosef. You know, these are the two lampstands, by the way, I believe, as far as looking at Yehoshua the high priest standing before Hashem. And there are these two uh, menorahs that are brought up. In uh, context in the uh, Slika, there's one menorah, but there's two olive trees. And these olive trees are empowering the menorah. And so there's this idea that, you know, the menorah has a constant flow of pure olive oil. And so because there are two olive trees that are connected to it. And so if you think about staying in Yehuda, staying in Yosef, you become like a menorah that's well lit. And then it says, because those are the two Mashiachs, by the way. Then it says, he, or how then did the animal soul become so materialistic, coarse, and spiritually insensitive? This is due to its descent to the level of the 70 angels that are appointed over the worldly nations. It has become invested with Shomrei Ha'ofanim, which is the lowest level of angel. This caused the soul to contract a physical desire for worldly enjoyment and pleasure. 
And so with that being the case, we have to supersede that. So it says that our spiritual needs are now performed with new enthusiasm and burning desire to attach to God. So once one has prayed even one time and offered his animal soul, his soul has now been consumed within the heavenly fire. Each day, a person's yetahara is overcome with passion and desire for physical matters, and every day one is required to consume this fire of passion within heavenly fire. So I was just thinking, if you look at our Torah scroll, a Torah scroll is dead flesh, but there's living word on it. It's pierced parchment. They literally use a thorn to make lines on each page of that parchment. And then the sinew of the sacrificed animal that uh, provided the skin of which the scroll is written upon, the sinews is woven through there. Like there's a pierced hole and you put the sinews through there. You bind the pages together like that. And then this whole thing, the Torah is really the spirit of Hashem. And so if you think about that, for us, we have to imitate the Torah scroll. We have to bring death to our flesh, bring it to life by the word of Hashem, be pierced, you know, with the decrees of the Torah, the things that don't make sense to us, the statutes, like let that sink down deeply into who we are. I don't understand why this is so, but I do it kind of thing. That is what it means to be pierced and then filled with the spirit. So studying the Torah, becoming a, um, you know, a candidate of battle. So being filled with the spirit. So I mean, so we're, we're living sacrifices and we're set apart for Hashem. And the way we fight is not with fists. It's not with guns. It's not with swords. But it's with the word of Hashem. It's with our own personal working out things. So may we do that fearlessly. And what do we know? What do we know? Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, asher natan lanu Torah temet, vekaye olam natavetokeinu. Baruch atah Adonai, noten haTorah. Amen. Adonai, may you cause us to merit to hasten the return of Mashiach Yeshua speedily and soon in our days. Father, bring us out of exile. Lead us with upright pride into our land. Gather in of all the nations, every tribe, every tongue. In the merit of Mashiach Yeshua. Amen. Well, shalom everyone. May you be blessed and have a wonderful Shabbat.